Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Hopecast from Hope Church in Richmond, Virginia. I am David Dwight, and I have the privilege today of hosting our conversation. So we're turning the table just a little bit. I'm usually introduced as the guest on the Hopecast. So this is a conversation about life and faith in under 30 minutes. And today I'm joined by Karis Napier. Karis is relatively new on our full-time staff as the lead person in our worship ministry at Hope. And we're going to try to record a few podcasts coming up in the next number of months that are a little bit of a, call it a series, Get to Know the Staff. And there are a lot of people on our staff at church who have really important roles and make a really important contribution to the life and ministry of our church, but they may not be people that you get to know as easily personally, like they may not be preaching on a Sunday morning. You may not hear their voice or get to know more of who they are unless we try to take a step or two to help you get to know these people. So a while back, Karis and I were talking, and I said, hey, Karis, I'd love to do a podcast if you would be up for it, because when you're the person who leads people in worship, there's a really meaningful, almost sacred relational connection that's happening there. And I remember when you were in the interview process for the job, and you and I had some really meaningful conversations about this, and I was really impressed with your heart for that. So that's all to come, and just wanted to have an opportunity to get to know Karis Napier, our new lead worship uh, person at Hope. So Karis, welcome. Tell us about you, and just say hey to everybody. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, A little bit about me, I grew up as a pastor's kid. My parents were pastors. Uh, I started my life in Baltimore, Maryland, and then at six weeks old, my dad took a church in Illinois. So that sent us out there. And then from that point on, we moved around a little bit. Um, But my dad passed away when I was young, seven years old. And so um, from that point on, my mom was sort of a full-time worship leader at a church. Hmm. And that led us to Texas for a little bit, and she was on staff as the worship leader there. So I kind of grew up always being in ministry. A lot of people in my family are pastors or worship leaders. Um, And so I've just been sort of immersed in that environment my entire life, Mm -hmm. um, which I am just so thankful for. I feel like the Lord really carried me Mm -hmm. since I was Mm -hmm. born and just Mm -hmm. um, was always there. He was mm-hmm. always present in my life. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot from my mom, watching her um, lead our family, especially after the passing of my father. And she taught me a lot about what it meant to give my life to the Lord mm-hmm. um, through the ups and downs. And so, um, yeah. So you're growing up in Texas. And yes. did your mom remarry? Or was she, she a did. single mom for the coming years? My mom remarried when I was 14. Okay. She remarried a pastor in Richmond. Okay. So that's what brought us here from Texas. Okay. Yeah. So do you have siblings? I have three other siblings. Yeah. My um, brother, he's about 13 years older than me. Okay. Is a pastor in Illinois. Uh And I have a sister that lives out there as well, and then a sister here. Okay. So where are you in the order? The last. You're the last. Okay. Um, Really meaningful. You know, I think most people who listen with appreciation to hearing people share their story, 
like you gave us enough to say we could talk 10 or 15 minutes on about five things you just gave us, mm-hmm. you know, to think about there. Um, okay, so it does sound like ministry, ministers, life in the church has very much been a part of your background. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start, um, just so everybody knows, Karis doesn't really know the questions I'm going to ask her, but I think this is a way for people to hear your heart, and also, of course, I'm the one asking because I come with a certain angle of interest. There are lots of stories about people who maybe had backgrounds like yours, and they leave the church, mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm not doing that uh, for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. And um, many people probably have heard those kind of stories, sounds like you have, Give us a little sense of, uh, but you're you're not in that camp. Mm-hmm. You're in a place of saying, no, uh, I have a deep heart for the church, mm-hmm. and I want to give my uh, talent and my energy to to the life and the ministry of the church. I think that it would be easy for someone in my situation, especially with the passing of my dad. Um, who was a pastor doing the Lord's work, as people would say, Mm -hmm. Um, it would be easy for me to have said, well, the Lord forsake us, Mm. or he let me down. Mm. And I really have no explanation other than his grace on my life. Mm. Um, I could have ended up like anyone who turns away from him after an experience like that. I think my mom was a big part of why I see the Lord the way that I do, Um, the language that she used with us in Mm -hmm. that experience of grief and moving forward without sort of the rock of our home. She talked so much about the Lord's faithfulness Mm -hmm. and his guidance and his leadership. Uh, She talked a lot about how he's a father to the fatherless. Mm. And that just stuck with me. I can't explain it. It's not logical, Mm -hmm. but... I just have always known that he was with me mm-hmm. and that he loved me deeply. Mm-hmm. And that alone has just carried me throughout my life. Mm. So as a pastor hearing you say that, I'm going to put some of my words to it. Your mom taught you, uh, tell me if like this is accurate or say, no, that's not right. You're putting words in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Your mom taught you a deeper rooted perspective of life with the Lord. Yes. That had deeper roots than hard things have happened, so God's not good and he's not faithful and so he's not worth following. Somewhere along the line, your mom's faith and how she taught it to you was to introduce you to God in a way that has, I'm going to call it a deeper root system than just the circumstances and things that happen in our lives. Yes. My mom is a what we would call a prayer warrior. Mm. She is a prayer. And um, let's just say if you need someone on your side, she's going to be there. Mm. So it would not be unusual, um, whether it's something that we were facing or when we were young and we we didn't know how to navigate this experience, Mm -hmm. for her to sit us girls down and say, we're going to pray. And so... That, like I said, it's the language, it's the way that she walked out having to now raise these two girls on her own, and that she never um, turned her back on the Lord, that she knew that he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm. She believed that he was faithful through it all, Mm -hmm. and that is what like taught me 
that he is never changing, no matter the ups and downs, Mm -hmm. that he is faithful. Uh, Okay, so um, how about share a little bit with us of how did your own faith begin to, I'm going to say, I don't know, come alive or mature, whatever word we want to use, blossom? Uh, How would you articulate your own experience in coming to know the Lord and how your own faith sort of became yours, became Mm -hmm. real, and stuff like that? When I was about 12 years old, uh, I was in, I had just joined our youth group. I sort of moved up. And I remember there was a night where my youth pastor said the typical, like, if you don't know if you would wake up tomorrow, where you would be, you know, like heaven or hell, um, like raise your hand, basically, you know, a call to be Sort saved. of the old, if you die tonight, you know, right. do you know you'd go to heaven? Yes. Mm-hmm. And he said that, and even though I had known, I had grown up with the Lord and I did know him in a way, I don't know if it was a maturity thing. But I felt so almost just convicted. And I like raised my hand. I was like, I need to be saved. Mm. Um, And so from that point on, it just became very real to me. It became so much personal. So I just started having a true hunger for him. Uh, meaning I would come home from school and I would just want to read my Bible, which Mm. I hadn't done before. It was mostly like we just grew up in church and like we prayed at home. Mm -hmm. But now I was so hungry Mm. to know him for myself. And that just kickstarted my life with him. Mm -hmm. But also knowing the whole time that he was there, Mm -hmm. it's very strange, but there was this shift of it became very personal to me. It being your relationship with God? Yes. Okay. Um, So I never grow tired of hearing people share these kinds of stories because they're all unique in their own way, but they they have common threads. Mm. And there's just so much beauty to that. Um, Okay, so... Uh, you have this meaningful sort of shift, uh, gear shift, uh, heart shift in your relationship with God when you're about 12. Okay, so when did worship become uh, something, I mean, did you get involved in leading worship in Mm -hmm. a church at some point, some age? When did the worship thing begin to grow for you? When... I I grew up singing in church. We used to have in my denomination, and maybe other denominations did this as well, we would have specials like on a Sunday night where someone would sing a special song. So I kind of grew up doing that. Um, When you say that, just for everybody's listening, so this is part of a worship service, but it's a song that is just done from up front to mm -hmm. make a contribution to the overall worship experience. It's not inviting everybody to sing along. Correct. Okay. So special songs are usually <laughs> usually feature uh, people who are very good one way or another, let's mm. be honest, right? So, you know, you have a great guitar player and you have a special song and it's got this guitar piece that mm-hmm. is particularly meaningful. And a lot of times these special songs are going to appeal for a good vocalist. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm connecting the dots properly, but that's what it sounds like to me. It's that, but also I was like six years old. 
So <laughs> maybe not that good, <laughs> Okay, but meaningful to the adults watching this child sing this special song. Okay. I think there was wow. some meaning there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I grew up singing. And then when I got into the youth group, I, I thought, well, maybe I'll join the, the praise team. So I started singing there. Um, but the, the interesting story is that when we moved here to, te- uh, sorry, from Texas to Virginia, I hadn't sang in front of anyone. Nobody knew that I sang. And maybe a few months of being here, my youth pastor said, I want to meet with you. So we met up and he said that the couple that had been leading our youth band was going to be leaving. Hmm. And he said, I don't know why, but I just feel like you should take it over. And I said, but you've never heard me sing before. He said, I just have a feeling you can. <laughs> so wow. okay. I was like, okay, let me pray about it. Um, I was like 14 at this point. Wow. So I like spent an entire week and I'm just like going before the Lord. Like, is this right? This feels so strange to me. I'm very young. I don't know how to lead a band. I don't really even know how to play an instrument that well. Um, but I just felt peace about it. So I said, sure, I'll I'll do it. So here I am, like 14 years old. I'm leading like a guitar player and a drummer and a keyboard player and other vocalists. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just know how to sing. Um, and so I did that. I've been doing that since <laughs> that age. Um, but I've learned a lot from just being thrown right into it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It makes me think about a lot of the call narratives in the Bible where God calls somebody and they basically protest and say, I have no idea. I don't know what I'm doing. There's a a fair number of uh, call narratives that Mm. are consistent with that kind of idea. Mm -hmm. Um, You know the old story. This is an old quote, but the old quote was from Elizabeth Elliot, and it said, um, God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. Mm. And that's interesting. We talked about that for a while, but not today. Um, okay, so you mentioned instruments. Do you play mm-hmm. any instruments? I, not the best, but I can play piano well enough, guitar. Um, if you play guitar, you at least know where the notes are on the bass. Okay. So under extreme circumstances, I could potentially fill in for a bass player. Okay. Um, and then What about I played, a guitar player? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How about a keyboard player? Sure. So you could uh, lead worship and be behind the keyboard and play the keyboard and sing and I could. be in it that mm-hmm. way. Okay. This is fun. Uh, if you don't know Karis, and I, I have to say, I don't know Karis well. Karis has this sort of um, modest presence where she then wows you and surprises you with her capability. Mm-hmm. I would say that. Um, you know, some people uh, bring this big presence, and then there's a little bit of an underwhelming performance. <laughs> I think, Karis, you bring a you bring this humble, engaging, servant-hearted presence, and then there's this depth to your heart for God and your voice and your passion for leading worship. And I mm-hmm. think uh, some of these characteristics of who you are was part of what drew a number of us who were involved in your interview process. Um, to uh, be really, really interested in you. Um, So you started this youth ministry leadership when you were 14. Uh, So I remember when you interviewed, um, and and 
I thought you were probably eight or nine years older than you are. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is this kind of uh, meaningful, mature presence and even bearing that Karis brings. And I um, I said to my wife, this is a huge rabbit trail, but I may have mentioned this to you. We have a niece who the two of you remind us a lot of each other mm-hmm. and all these characteristics that we're talking about. Um, okay, so we have the instrumentation. Um, all right, give us a little more on, okay, you're married to Zach. Mm-hmm. How did you guys meet? Mm-hmm. And give us a little snapshot of your your nuclear family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach is a drummer, if some of you know that. He has a very interesting story um, of how he even learned to play the drums. Essentially, my mom was the worship leader. She needed a drummer. We went to a small church. Uh, she had heard him beatboxing. He didn't even play the drums. What is For people that don't know, what's beatboxing? Um, sort of drumming with your mouth, okay. if, that, if that suffices. Okay. Um, so she heard him doing that. And she said, you sound like you have rhythm. Can you play the drums? He said, no, I can't, but I guess I'll help you out. So that kickstarted him into becoming the drummer that he is now, which is incredible how the Lord sort of orchestrates our life in such a unique way. But um, Zach and I went to church together, and we started off as really great friends, loved playing music together. We both had such a heart for worship um, and song and music, and so we just built this very deep, uh, rooted friendship is all it was for probably about a year until we decided to take a next step. Um, But I love that about us because we, at the end of the day, we're the best of friends and we have such a shared heart for ministry. Mm. So um, we dated for about three years. We've been married for five now and we have a almost two-year-old Arthur. Who I think I have described is like one of the cutest little guys (laughs) on the planet. Do you disagree? No, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) He is such a cute little guy. Okay, um, so tell a little bit about your heart for worship. And part of me wants to get more specific in that question, but maybe we can start with it that wide open Mm -hmm. and we can move from there. So tell us a bit about your heart for worship. My heart for worship in the most generic sort of way is that I just want to connect with the Lord. And I don't know if this is everyone's experience, but when I'm worshiping Him, whether it's through song or however you choose to do so, through your art, um, there's a humbleness to it, but there's also a safety in it, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. There's a, my life is yours, but I know that you're going to lead me and make my path straight, Mm -hmm. and I trust you. So my worship, my heart for worship is just to commune with the Lord and just to know Him more. Love everything about that. Um, I'm having to be so disciplined because so much of what you say sparks a million thoughts for me, but um, 
Okay, so that's your heart for worship. As a worship leader, what's your heart when you what what are you hoping to bring to people? What are you hoping to bring about when you're a as a worship leader? I think what I am hoping to bring about is um, I think we've talked a little bit about this sort of that living honestly before the Lord. Um, and it's why I I really do sort of believe in like the physical lifting of your hands or the bowing before him because it's um, an honest representation of, God, you're so much bigger than me. You're so much greater than me. And my worship is seeing you magnified. And um, my heart is just that people would long for him, that people would be hungry for him, for his word. Uh, Because when we sing these songs, these songs should be speaking about who he is. Um, They should be training our ears to know the characteristics of God. And so I want our worship to be uh, shaping the way that we see him. Mm. And I want it to be a time that we can just be uh, pure before him. Mm. So occasionally I've said, and this has been in the air at Hope, every human being worships. Mm -hmm. And I 100% believe that. Mm -hmm. Every human being worships. Um, And what you worship, in essence, is your highest, whatever is highest. So if we want to look at this in a broad way. Um, Some people worship money. Mm -hmm. Some people worship themselves. Some people worship popularity. Some people worship um, political viewpoints. Um, And for some, it might be like weird to say worship. I think it is. Whatever Mm -hmm. is your highest uh, is your devotion of worship. So you have this heart to lead people to maybe trade in other worships mm. so that they're worshiping the one who is truly worthy and trustworthy with our worship. Thoughts yes. on that? Yeah. I just see worship so much as a laying down, mm. um, whether that be our idols Mm-hmm. our worries, to take the time to recognize him as the Lord, mm-hmm. the Lord of our life, and sort of with our voice, when we're talking about music as being the worship, mm-hmm. using our voice and our bodies to declare that he is Lord, mm-hmm. that is very meaningful to me because he is the creator. Mm. And um, it talks about creation, like glorifying him mm-hmm. and we're his creation. Mm-hmm. And I think that taking the time to honor him as the creator mm-hmm. and the Lord is just something that I have found important in my life. And I hope that others will too. So you've been on staff how long now in your role? About two months. What makes you go home on a Sunday afternoon when a morning of several services is concluded 
and feel really encouraged about whatever happened that mm-hmm. morning, right? If you're up front, there are going to be some mornings you come home mm-hmm. and you're a little less encouraged or maybe mm-hmm. even discouraged. There'll be others where you're pretty amped and pumped up about it. Mm-hmm. What would be something that would make you on Sunday afternoon really encouraged or excited about what happened? I think a lot of things could make me excited. Um But my biggest thing that I try to tell the band is that when we do our sets on Sunday, when we do our services, this is our offering to the Lord. And that is all He wants. He just wants our pure offering to Him. So it doesn't matter if we mess up. It doesn't matter if we have tech issues. We can work on all of those things. He just wants the pureness of our heart. And so what makes me feel like that was a great service is when I see the band or even the congregation just bringing their offering. And that's all that's all that we need to do. That's all the Lord is asking of us. Mm-hmm. So that's that pumps me up. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, so we're in our last uh, few minutes here. You mentioned when you're leading the band— There are other people who are also on the worship staff at Hope. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you're in a worship service at Hope, um, you you may be in a service where Karis is the primary worship leader, but there's some others as well. And then we've got a big batch of people who give their time volunteer, Mm -hmm. who are talented musicians in one category or another. There are other people who give their energies and heart to supporting worship services too. Mm -hmm. Um, As you lead... Because uh, now in your seat as our worship lead person, you're leading uh, a lot of team members. Mm-hmm. Um, give us, give people a sense of your heart. How, what are you wanting to do as you lead those folks? I think my goal, goal, if you want to say that, here at Hope is just to build. A culture of service to the Lord and to one another mm. that lasts long beyond me, mm. that when I'm not in the equation anymore, it still continues. Mm. The idea of this is, we don't just do this unto the Lord, but we're serving one another. Mm. We're serving one another in our instruments. We're serving one another with our time um, and the way that we take care of one another. So the way that I want to lead this team is by prayer, is by taking time to practice. I Mm. think that we should be um, bringing our excellence because, again, that's like our service to each other as Mm. well. Mm -hmm. But... My main goal is just to create this culture, and then whenever I the Lord calls me somewhere else at some point in my life, it just continues mm-hmm. um, because it was built on our worship to Him mm-hmm. and not on us. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank you for spending time with us, and if you're listening and you're part of Hope Church, to me... One of the reasons this time with Karis may be really valuable is you now have a sense of 
who's the woman who's leading you? Who is she? Uh, what's her story? What's her heart for God? What's her desire in worship? Um, and there'll be, as we said, at times when other worship leaders are leading, but Karis is in the lead seat. So I think we could say she's the lead influencer when it comes to the worship experience and environment at Hope. And having a chance to get to know you a little bit, I'm hoping that people who hear this might find it really meaningful to have a deeper connection with you. So um, anything else you want to say as we wrap up? I want to say that I'm not just thankful to be here. I'm um, praying for you, the church. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons that I even wanted to enter into this place is the Lord called me to pray for the people of this church. And through that, just praying for you all, I've developed such a love for this congregation and a love for these people. And I am here for you. I am praying for you. And if I can help in any way, shape or form, please come and see me. (laughs) (laughs) That's really, really meaningful. Uh, Okay, thank you again for joining us. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. We're glad you're with us today. You can find the Hopecast on all the normal podcast platforms, and you can find more information about Hope Church and what we do at hopechurchrva.com.